You're listening to the Cancer from A to Z podcast with your host, Dr. Rosalind Morell. Episode 10, My Cancer Journey with Kimberly Sizemore. Hi, and welcome to the Cancer from A to Z podcast, where we discuss the issues and topics related to a diagnosis of cancer. I'm your host, Dr. Rosalind Morell. These podcast episodes are intended for informational and educational purposes only and are not a substitute for medical treatment by a healthcare professional. They do not constitute a doctor-patient relationship. Please consult your doctor or other health professional with any questions you have regarding any medical conditions. Hi, everyone, and Happy New Year. Welcome to a special episode of the Cancer from A to Z podcast. Thank you so much for joining me today. I'm really excited that you downloaded this episode. And today is a very special episode because I'm going to be talking to Kimberly Sizemore, a breast cancer survivor. And when I decided to start this podcast, I knew that I wanted to interview other health professionals and kind of get into the details and facts regarding the different types of cancer. But I also felt that it would be important to interview cancer survivors and get a chance to hear and learn from their journeys and their stories. And that is why I am really excited to have Kimberly on the show today, because she tells us all about what it was like for her when she was first diagnosed and some of the things that she was going through and experiencing. And I know for me, when I hear other people's stories and life experiences, I usually always learn something and it makes it so much more relatable. And that's why I felt that it would be really important to have this aspect as part of the podcast. So I hope you enjoy it as well. And let's get right to it. Kimberly, I'm so happy to have you on the show, Cancer from A to Z. Thank you. How are you today? I feel well. I feel well today. Very good. That's good. That's good. (laughs) It's a beautiful day outside. These are the days that I love. Winter in Los Angeles. Yeah. Yeah, 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 exactly. You don't have to worry too much about snow and all of that. So (laughs) at least at least not in Southern California. I guess you do have to worry about that in the mountain areas. But so, well, I'm really happy that you decided to come on the show. And I wanted to talk to you about your cancer journey. And just kind of talk to you and and see, you know, find out from you what it was like when you were first diagnosed and and just talk about some of those things. But before we get into those details, why don't you tell the audience just a little bit about you, whatever you feel comfortable sharing. I'm an over 65 female, retired from a career in motion picture management, stage management, and as an assistant director. I worked most of my career in theater and television and film. In fact, all of my career. I was diagnosed with breast cancer in 2016. I had been going for mammograms pretty regular, and I had not been for a mammogram. And I had did feel a, in a breast self-exam a small something that I didn't 
pay too much attention to. I was, I don't think I sought medical help at the time. I had a friend who was suffering from a, a terrific bout of breast cancer who was going through treatment for at least a year or two, and she was not getting better. And I got very involved in her journey, and I kind of neglected my health and my journey because we were she and her daughters, who one of them is my godchild, we were very concerned about my friend. You're saying that you were so focused on your friend's health that you were neglecting your own. I did. I didn't schedule my exams. And, you know, as far as I'm concerned, the early detection is is the key to this whole, I hope, situation that we find ourselves in sometimes. Yeah. I think that happens to a lot of people. I think where individuals are taking care or very concerned with their friends, their family members, and that can just kind of take over, right? And you feel as though you need to, you don't have time to take care of yourself because you're busy trying to take care of other people. So I think a lot of people, that happens to a lot of individuals. Yes. I was a little overwhelmed with her keeping up with her and just the family. And I didn't do my scheduled visits. So my friend passed away from her, her breast cancer was, was uh, terminal and she, she passed away. And then that was September, October, November, I went for my exam and they said, well, we found something. I went to a local, uh, should I name names? If you feel comfortable, if you don't, you don't have to. I was at UCLA and they did a pretty thorough exam. They called me the next day or a day later and said, I need to come back in. And I went back in and the doctor told me they found something and they wanted to take some more pictures and uh, figure out what it was. And that's how I got the first diagnosis. So was this actually after your friend passed away? Yes. Or was this? Yes, this was after. Okay. So that must have been really scary for you. It frightened me and it scared me more than anything because it's like, oh no, oh no, oh no. So uh, Mm -hmm. that's how my journey started. So I I had to schedule tests. We did a lot. I did a lot of testing. My first thing that I did was panic. I panicked. I was very, I didn't know what to do. Mm-hmm. After I finished the panicking and, and, you know, they assured me that whatever this is, we can deal with it. And, you you know, well, we have to test to find out what it is, where it is, you know. So I did that and uh, I had a number of tests. They inserted some things in my breast so they could see where exactly where it was when I did further testing. I got great advice and and care from these doctors most of them were females that that I noticed they they most of the cancer doctors that I dealt with were women at UCLA and I contacted a few people that I knew medical people and let them know what was happening and they gave me advice as to you know just continue on with your tests and find out I had tests biopsies I had consults we figured out it was the type of cancer it was, and they had me on a plan so that I was to have, did we talk about, I think we talked about surgery. 
and there but there was a surgery to remove whatever was there and that was pretty much I don't know whether we had talked about I I met with a radiologist I met with a surgeon and I met with a an oncologist there that was my team did you feel as though the process was moving at a good pace or did you feel like did it feel like things were just dragging on and on Things were dragging. It took a while to have tests done. Everything was, there was a period of time and a lot of time went by. And from what I understood and what I had talked to to my advisors, they were like, the sooner we find out what this is and the sooner it's removed, the better it will be to to, to fight this. And I, I was right. in agreement, but everything took, the tests took time. It was like months, months were going by and I didn't get a full diagnosis for, for quite a while. And I was kind of impatient and, and people that were advising me were kind of impatient, like what's going on? I don't know, because the tests haven't come through. And it's a teaching hospital. And I think a lot of people, there's a lot of things have to be done. It was much, it took longer than I felt that it needed to take for me. Mm-hmm. And I mean, in terms of, did that make you really nervous and more angry or what were you feeling at the time when it, you felt like it was kind of dragging out a little bit? I was feeling that it was taking longer than than I would have liked it to take. There was absolutely nothing that I could do to change anything because of the system that I was in. And I felt that they were doing the best they could. And this is the way they rolled. It took them longer. It took them longer than other people. And I tried not to panic. I knew, I found out that I did need surgery. They told me, you're going to need surgery. And when we do the rest of these tests, we'll tell you exactly what it is, how it is. Now, do you have a family history? Anybody else in your family? My mother was diagnosed with breast cancer at uh, the age of, I'd say, 60-ish. She had a breast removed. And I have a sister that had uh, uterine cancer at, at one point. She had, she's still living. My mother has deceased. And then there was cancer in my family. My father had died from esophageal cancer. So mm-hmm. yeah, there's a family history. Mm. And were those details shared with you? Like when your mother was diagnosed with breast cancer, how old were you? 30, 40. And no, I wasn't living in, in, we weren't living in the same area. I heard about it. She did a lot of medical care. She had very good medical care and she was, they advised her to remove her breast and she did it. She did what she was advised to do. And she lived another, you know, 20 years. Mm-hmm. But did she talk about it? Because I know, you know, I think the older generation, there was this feeling of you don't talk about the big C, right? Right, right. No, yeah. she she wasn't. And my mother was very forthcoming. But no, we didn't discuss too much more than therapy and, and what was happening. And the fact that she, she got through it and she was better for right. it. Right. And so when you were, when you felt the lump and then, had the biopsy, did that bring up, you know, thoughts about your mom and your other family members? Oh, yes. Oh, yes. Uh, Immediately. Mm -hmm. Immediately. Mm -hmm. And so 
going back to what you were saying before, so they said, okay, you need surgery. Then what happened? I continued to wait. They told me Mm. they were going to give me a date for the operation. And I continued to wait. And it was January. And then it was like February. And I had been dealing with this since like November. And, you know, time was ticking. And the longer I felt, the longer I waited, the the more, you know, damage and, and harm could be done. And you know, since we had identified what this was, we needed to to get me in to get it taken out. Mm-hmm. And it wasn't happening at this pace that I, I was comfortable with. That can sometimes happen for various reasons. And so you can always explain why things take a little bit longer than maybe they should. But I think for a lot of people that can be really nerve wracking, especially if you're, you probably, I'm sure you thought about all kinds of things. I did. Yeah, I did. My friend's daughters had done a lot of research in in helping their mother in her losing battle with cancer. So they had a lot of information. They had a lot of information that they were willing to share with me. And so I used the information that they had and and what they had just been through with their loved one to get my head in the space where it needed to be, which was to fight this thing and to get what I needed to get done and get the care and the operations and the chemotherapy that I needed to get done. So you you had the surgery and what happened after that? After I had the surgery, there was a month that went by because they said, you know, we needed, uh, we see, want to see how this heals up and how, and we're not going to, you have to do I went to two other doctors and David Hoffman was my oncologist who I left the UCLA system and I got into Cedar sinai And the doctor there, I was operated on within the three weeks of meeting Dr. Funk, who was my surgeon. And she confirmed that what was everything that UCLA had tested and made known to me, they confirmed everything. Between Dr. Funk and Dr. Hoffman, Dr. Hoffman had his protocol was that he wanted to do have surgery and then do chemo and then radiation. UCLA, that was not the plan. That was not their plan. So I was taken aback when he told me his plan of action. I was just floored because I hadn't heard this, you know, surgery, chemo, radiation. I hadn't heard that in the early talks with, with the other system. So I decided that this man who sat there and told me everything that he felt that I needed to know and everything that I needed to know from my own to get this over with, he told me what I needed to do and his, and this is what he was going to do to help me. And I said, okay, I'm putting myself in your hands. If this is what you suggest for me to do, then this is what you should do. And this is what I am willing to have done. So he essentially gave you a game plan of surgery, then chemo, then radiation. Mm -hmm. Correct. Yeah. And when you were told that you needed chemo, what went through your head at that time? I was afraid. I was horrified. I was I was very scared because I've seen what chemotherapy has done to people, had done to people. And the people that I knew that had gone through chemotherapy, it was very involved. It took a lot out of people. And some people didn't didn't 
Some people got through it. Some people didn't get through it. And uh, I was determined that I, if this was what I was supposed to have, I, I had to go with what the doctor who was treating me to the best of his ability suggested. So I did. Did you express your concerns about chemo with Dr. Hoffman? Did you tell him your thoughts about it? And what did he say? Not, I didn't really. I think when we met and we talked, he gave me the information. He saw the horror look on my face and that said everything because I was kind of plain spoken about it. I didn't have to say too much because I was so shocked to hear about it. I cried, but I decided also that I came to this man to have him help me. If this is what he says I have to do, then I have to do it. I couldn't say, no, I don't want it. Mm -hmm. I agreed. I agree. Mm -hmm. He told me right. I was in very good health. I hadn't had any, you know, extenuating circumstances prior to being diagnosed with, with the, this cancer. And I said, okay, go ahead, mm. let's do it. And so how did it go? The chemotherapy was the worst thing that I ever did. And uh, I would tell people if the chemotherapy doesn't kill you, nothing will. And I had, I think eight sessions each one was more harrowing than the one before. It made me physically ill. I was out of it for, it was 10 months I was mm. battling this. And in 10 months, I got through it. But I just want to clarify, you didn't get 10 months of chemo, but you, it was like a total of 10 months that you were feeling this way. It was eight weeks of chemotherapy spread mm -hmm. over 16 weeks. Mm-hmm. Eight mm -hmm. sessions spread over 16 weeks. Mm -hmm. And that's how it went for me. Yeah. So there was, yeah. you know, you had your good days, you had your bad days. You had, you know, your treatment week. And that was the week that was not going to be a great week. And then there was the recovery. And then you got feeling a little better. And then you had to go back in two weeks and get some more. What do you think kind of helped you through that process? Did you, do you think that you had anything available to you, whether that be books, friends, family members? If you look back on it, do you feel like you, you had, you know, good support or you had something or someone that really helped you get through the chemotherapy? I had a very good support system, not a large support system, but I had my family members. I'm a, have a lot of faith. I have a strong Christian faith that I follow. And I re relied on that. I relied on the capability of the professionals that I was dealing with. And I faced an obstacle that could have, you know, injured or diminished a, a, another person, but I, I stood up to it and I did it. I did it. Mm -hmm. I put myself, I wanted to get through this. I prayed that I would get through this. And I knew right. that if I did everything that they told me, I read every book, I did every single thing that I was told to do. And I mm -hmm. did it. And I did it. Right. I followed instructions. So right. That's how I got through it. And my people were very positive. I kept a very positive frame of mind, even when I didn't feel very positive. But I knew that I was getting the best care possible. And then after the chemo was over, yes. then you got radiation with me. Yes. I had 33 
sessions. <laughs> and yeah, it's, I know it can be a, a lot of a lot of sessions. It was a lot. What was that like? Because I was in such capable hands again, I knew that it was very inconvenient. It was very hard to deal with. The physical effects of it didn't manifest itself. You know, I had peeling skin and all, I have all kinds of extra stuff that was happening, but that was happening anyway. And meeting you and, and, and talking to you and, and knowing that how you do things and how your work is, it made me more confident in what I was doing because I put my hands, I put my life in the hands of a, a professional. And I think you have to get rid of all of any negative thoughts that you may or may not have. I did not want to have radiation. I did not. Right. I did not like the idea of it. It scared the hell out of me. But I mm -hmm. did it. I did it. Right. And it was part right. of my prescription to get through this. And I did right. what, what I was told and appointed to do. Knowing that, you know, Radiation is scary for I think just about anybody that hears the word radiation, especially yes. if you're if someone's telling you, well, you need radiation. Yes. What were your thoughts about radiation? Did it did you feel what were you thinking? Were you thinking about like an atomic bomb, that type of radiation? What what did it make you think of? It made me think of something invading my body to help heal a situation that, that was going on in my body. And mm -hmm. it's very invasive and it's very complicated. And yes, mm -hmm. atomic bombs, all of that. Yes, radiation. It was not a, something that I would have wanted to do willingly. I mean, mm -hmm. I did it, but it was part of my prescription to, to, for my cure. So it was pretty scary. Did it get easier towards the end because you had, you know, several treatments. Did you feel though at the end of the treatments that it was a little bit easier to deal with than maybe when you first started? Oh yes. It got easier. It got easier at 33 sessions. It got easier after the first two, three, four, five. I saw the same people. I had the same general procedure. It was very short. It was very cut, very dry, very precision. It was my diagnosis was to get this treatment and I got this treatment mm -hmm. and I finished it. Mm -hmm. And after the radiation, so did you get any other treatment after the radiation? No, radiation. Radiation was my last, my last day was like September, I don't know, early in September of whatever year this was, I don't think 2017. And I, my, I had based it on my high school was having their 50th reunion and I was planning to go. I was told by my doctors that you are free to go. And I, sayonara, I was out of there. I didn't have to go back to do anything except my, my, my visits to oncologists, which I still go to. And mm -hmm. I have some drugs that I take. And, you know, as a result of all that, I'm a survivor since 2017. Yay! Yes. With no setbacks. Right. No, no reoccurrences. Right. 
which is fantastic. I think. Yeah, absolutely. And since you are a cancer survivor and you have now completed all of that treatment and you're in basically kind of like, you know, you're being monitored. I want to ask you, though, about, you know, this part, because there can be a lot of anxiety around, you know, when you're in follow up because you're not seeing doctors every day. You're seeing them like every three months, every four months, maybe every six what has that been like? I know you, you know, obviously you were relieved to get past the surgery, get past the chemo, get past the radiation. Yes. But what's it like to go in for follow-up? I mean, do you look forward to those visits because you feel good and you know you're going to get a clean bill of health? Or are you a little nervous about them? What's it like? I look forward to my visits with my oncologist. The only part that I do not like and care for is the blood draw, but we do a blood draw, you know, very infrequently, but frequently enough to keep up. I, I realize that it's necessary. The anxiety, I don't have any anxiety. I look forward to seeing this doctor because he has, he helped save my life. And I look for, I, it's a pleasure to, to be able to go in and have them look at your charts and say, oh my God, this is so fantastic. Everything is perfect, perfect, perfect. That is the greatest assurance that I could ever get that, that I am, I am truly, you know, through this and, and beyond it even. Right. Like I said, it's, it's wonderful to hear that you feel that way. And I think it's really good that you're sharing that because, you know, from a physician's perspective, which is how I look at everything, it's a little bit different. And I know that there are a lot of people who do have some anxiety and some worry when it comes time to seeing their doctors and getting their mammograms or ultrasounds or CAT scans or MRIs and, you know, very, very scared and, and things like that. So it's, it's nice to hear, though, that you actually look forward to those visits and you look forward to your medical oncologist who's following you tell you that you're doing that you're doing well because yes I think I I discharged you from my clinic so you don't necessarily see me anymore because you don't you don't need radiation anymore right right which is a good thing so well that's good I mean that's that's really reassuring to hear that these visits don't cause you a lot of anxiety no no they don't I know that they're necessary They've gotten fewer and far between. I go once six every six months at this point. No, about four months, four months. And it's on clockwork. You just go in and, and let them see, let them read your numbers, let them realize that, you know, let them see that you are better, thriving, thriving, mm-hmm. I would say. So that's, that's, I like being monitored. I really do. Right. If anything, I want to hear the first call. If if there's anything that, that is not right, I want to know. So I know what to do. You'd have to put myself back into into battle mode, you know, to get mm-hmm. to get through this. But I know that early detection is the key to this whole thing and finding the, the right team and breast cancer is, is not the death sentence that it was many right. years ago. Many years ago. Mm-hmm. In fact, you know, in the last yes. 10 years, it's not people have breast cancer and they get through it. They have surgery, they have treatment, they have 
they do what they have to do and they they're still living that's the point that's the point mm-hmm. that, the, that it has become so doable and curable to the point where you know we, cancer is it, in itself it's not the monster that it, it has been it still takes a lot it kills a number more people than we probably care to think about but mm-hmm. dealing with it it can be dealt with Right. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's a good way to put it. And so you're pretty active. I try. Right? You you travel a lot. You, yes. you know, visit with your friends, you visit with your family. Has this diagnosis changed, changed you a lot? Would you say that you're a completely different person or would you say that you're still, you know, the same person that you were before your diagnosis? I mean, how would you describe yourself now? I feel that as a as a cancer survivor, I am a different person because I have been through the journey and came mm-hmm. out on the on the winning side. A lot of people don't come out on the winning side and I had a very positive cancer experience. If you can call mm-hmm. cancer positive. Right. My journey was one that I had to take by myself, but I was I was covered on all sides at all time. I was never allowed to, you know, get so down that I I was like, you know, oh, I don't know what I'm going to do. Oh, woe is me. I was never allowed to do that. I didn't allow that to happen. And I knew that with the professionals, the medical professionals I had working with, I was working with me and for me, that their outlook was, we're going to get through this. You got this. And when when you get that from everybody that you deal with that you come in contact with you kind of get that mindset yourself and it's like okay if they're not worried i'm not going to worry cuz people kept telling me i think about i heard about 10,000 you're going to you're going to be fine you're going to be fine i heard that 5,000 times mm-hmm. and i figured after the first thousand times, I said, well, they can't all be like making this up. They all can't be lying. <laughs> right? They wouldn't yeah. lie. So yeah. I, I began to believe it and and, mm-hmm. and and live with that, that I am going to be fine. Mm-hmm. That was my mantra. That was how I got through everything. I said, and my mother had a, um, her motto was, uh, this too shall pass. And that's what happened. Yeah. We made it. We made it. Yeah. I mean, I think that's really important. Mindset, how you think about it. The mind is, it controls everything. And, you know, once if you give up and you see that, you know, you give in to this misery and this darkness and this fear and this distrust. I never distrusted anybody that I dealt with. I really, mm-hmm. I was like, these guys do this. Those nurses at that chemotherapy place, my doctor told me, he said, they know everything. You need mm-hmm. something, you ask them. If I can't, mm-hmm. if I'm not here, you can't, you ask them. They do this every single day. Mm-hmm. These people were amazing. Yeah. The quality of the care and the, the, the professionalism that they showed towards the patients who are suffering. And some people are suffering, they suffered much more than me. Mm-hmm. You know, I got nauseous. I got all kinds of things during getting ready to go to have chemotherapy. And afterwards, I use medicinal herbs. 
I never mm-hmm. took any medicine. I got bags of medicine. I was like, I don't need this stuff. I'm not taking this. Mm-hmm. And then my doctor was like, well, maybe you should get four or five. I said, okay, but don't give me 90 because I'm not taking 90. Of, I'm not taking 90 <laughs> of anything. I don't need this stuff. Right. They were very adamant in me getting it, but they were like, whatever you think you need to do to get through this, you 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 do you. And I did. Mm-hmm. And I yeah. was very, very comfort, comforted by that. Yeah. I think you have... You have done so well. I mean, and again, I'm seeing it from a physician's perspective, and that's why I'm so happy that you agreed to do this episode because I think it's so important for doctors such as myself, Mm -hmm. as well as other people, to hear about, you know, the experiences of individual patients because I know, especially healthcare professionals, we don't always have a lot of time to sit down and really get into everything like what we talked about today. Yes, yes. And I think it's so important for other patients to or other people going through this to hear about your experience because when, I mean, you talked about the good and you talked about the bad and it was very realistic. I mean, yes. I don't think anything about what you said sugarcoated anything. It didn't. It was very very real. And I think that's where, that's what people need to hear because it's not all, it's not all rosy. It's not all easy. And like you said, you know, just there were good days and there were bad days. Yes. And I think if we can have a better understanding in terms of what people are going through and what their thoughts are and, and their mindset, then I know as a healthcare professional, I can help you know, people a little bit more. And, and if you're somebody who's, you know, going through it, then you can relate and you can understand and you can say, yeah, that's what I'm feeling too. And, oh, look, she got through it and she did it. And she's, she's now, you know, you've been a survivor for, for years. And so, so I think it's, I mean, I'm so happy that you came on the show to, to discuss this and that you were willing to tell your story do you have any advice for other women who may have just been diagnosed or even have they've gone through treatment or maybe they're in follow-up mode? Do you have any advice? My advice is to trust yourself as much as you would your healthcare professionals. You know what your body feels like. You know what how you feel when when you're well and how you feel when you're sick. And not to be afraid to ask questions, not to be hesitant in in letting them know this is not I don't like this. This is not I'm not happy with this. What else can you come up with? What can you suggest? The fear, the fear that we instill in ourselves is is just that, the fear that you put in yourself. You have to become fearless and trust. You have to trust. You have to trust as much as you can that you're getting the best and you're doing all that you can. Fear doesn't do anything except confuse things at this point. You're not the first one. You're not going to be the last one. It's all in you to make you better. I just, I trusted myself, I trusted God and I trusted that I was going to get through this and survive. And that was my mindset. 
every day, every day. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Well, powerful. So I thank you so much for coming on the show. And I really enjoyed enjoyed this, even though I knew a, a little bit about it, but it was still, I still learned something today. Again, I thank you so much for coming on and talking about your journey. And I wish you good health and happiness and all the great things that you deserve. So thank you, Dr. Morell. I appreciate your including me in your podcast. I'm, I'm, I'm honored. Thank you. Okay, so I hope you really liked today's episode with Kimberly. I'm so glad that she was able to come on the show and talk about her cancer journey. And I really learned a lot from her and learned things about her that I didn't even know before. So I hope to have more episodes like this where I get a chance to speak to other cancer survivors, because again, I think you learn so much from listening to other people's stories and and making that connection on that level. All right. Well, until next time, be well. Thank you for listening to the Cancer from A to Z podcast. And if you enjoyed this episode, I would love it if you subscribed and left a review. And if you know anyone who could benefit from this information, please share the podcast with them. Until next time, I am your host, Dr. Rosalind Morell.